0: Investor doing things on your own. How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gweli. Welcome to the show, everyone. A lot is happening right now in the stock market. A lot has been happening throughout the course of the year. We just wrapped up the first quarter and we're kind of midway through the second quarter. So Sam, why don't we get started and take a look at what things are uh, happening, shaking and and rocking the market a little bit. Um, Why don't you jump in on those indexes and how they're doing?
1: Yeah, we'll start with the uh, Dow Jones. We're positive over the past five days, but barely, 0.09%. Year-to-date, obviously, we're still doing pretty bad, down over 12%. And the past year, we're down 6%. The S&P, same type of trend. Uh, Last five days, we're up 1%. Year-to-date, obviously, still down 17%. And over the past year, about almost 4% uh, in the red. And then moving on to the NASDAQ, same type of thing. Over the past five days, we're up 2%. Uh, Year-to-date, down 26%, Uh, and over the past year, we're down 13%. Russell 1000, uh, again, same thing, five-day, we're up 1.1%. Year-to-date, down about 17.6%, and the past year, we're down just over 5.5%.
0: So as we've been measuring these indices throughout the year, they've all followed the same pattern. Right, the the bigger companies, faring better than the smaller stocks, small mid cap stocks, the more traditional value, boring, dividend paying type of stocks, found in the Dow Jones, are doing better than high multiple, technology based stocks, cloud based companies, things like that, and the S and P five hundred, the top five hundred companies in the U S, kind of smack dab in the middle between the Dow Jones and the Nasdaq. So no surprises. I mean, that's been happening pretty much uh at the gate beginning part of the year. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. So, let's look at some of the outliers. Let, let's take a look at some of the indices um and how they've they've been doing lately. So, first one we'll take a look at is the oil and energy. So, if I look at this, Let's take a look here. Energy today is down almost 3%. If I look at the year to date number, it's up 42.5%. And in the last five trading days, it's up another five. Uh, We have a lot of conviction on the energy sector. I think they're trading at pretty low multiples. They've been in the doghouse the last decade. Again, same thing we've been uh, preaching all year so far. Energy stocks don't look to be stopping anytime soon. Down a little bit today, but that's just kind of a little bit of a speed bump. How about the financial sector? This is the sector that, again, tends to pay dividends. The banks uh, lending, and they're impacted by rates. Down about 2% today. Year-to-date, this is down almost 16%. Despite the continued rise in interest rates with what's going on with the Fed, mortgage rates are up. So I hope you're not looking to buy a house anytime soon, Sam and listeners. But uh, sorry, those rates are getting higher. And then in the last five days, again, just about up 1%. Those are the financials, and that's the financial sector there, the index. Moving on to some of the digital assets. The uh, Bitcoin trust today is down almost 5%. Year to date, it's down 46%. And in the past week, it's up only half a percent. And I think we're going to see this trend throughout all the cryptocurrencies. So now we move on to Ethereum. Today, it's down about 6%. Year to date, it's down 60%. And then last week, it's up about one and a half percent. Moving on to Litecoin, that's down 11% today. Year-to-date, it's down 62%. In the last five trading days, up 8.5%. And then last, but certainly not least, we move on to gold. Today, it's up slightly. Year-to-date, it's up almost 1%. And in the last five trading days, it's down about 1.5%. So that's... It's quite a quite a difference um, between the indices and some of these outliers. Um, these are sectors, you know, so so it does not represent the whole market. Obviously, we're looking uh, at the oil and energy. That's the only one that's really sp- kind of shining all year, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. The multiples are pretty low. Still have problems in Ukraine. Still have a lot of uh, global unrest rising interest rates. GDP was negative first quarter. That is not good. So the definition of a recession, and I don't know if you've lived through one yet, but a recession essentially is two negative quarters of GDP by definition. So what does that mean? Well, so far year to date, the top 500 companies were down now approaching almost 20% pretty much as a whole. So if we have another 10 or 15% to go, that could be a loss of 35%. Most folks are not happy with that type of return. They're not comfortable. They're certainly wanted to talk with their advisors. And we hope that, uh, you know, if you're working with an advisor and not currently with us, that you have somebody to talk to. If not, certainly give us a shout. We'd be happy to talk with you. But I think that wraps up this uh, first introduction part to kind of give some insight, shed some light on what's going on, what's happening so far this year. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Guelli. Welcome back to the show, everyone. In this segment of the show, we like to bring about real questions from clients, prospects that come inbound, or maybe even share a client experience and how we're able to help clients. So Sam, why don't you get started with either a question or one of our uh, recent case studies we've helped the client with.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, with everything going on in the world, um, obviously the whole Russia thing and the stock market is not exactly great. um, People are, they're looking to see what they can do to protect themselves. Um, You know, whether it's insurance, investment insurance, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, What do you think? So there, there are a lot of things that you can do. Some
0: of the stuff that, you know, has been done by advisors in the last 20 or 30 years is not working. And some of those things were, of course, no surprise would be buying bonds. You know, you have a pretty balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds. And if you've done that in the last 40 years, you've done okay. With this new environment, rising rates, some issues with bonds, losing value. If you're in a mutual fund that owns bonds, you're negative. So that, that's not working. That's, so there's a few different things you can do. Uh, it's buying potentially some individual bonds. Uh, most advisors don't have the experience or capacity to do that. We could do that for clients, and we have. But what else could they do? You talked about insurance. You talked about protection. So when you think of life insurance, why, why does anyone buy life insurance? Why would you buy life insurance?
1: Any idea? Well, in case something happened to me, the people that I care about would be you know, they'd be set. They wouldn't have to worry about money, I guess. Right. Uh, could be could be a family
0: member. Could be out, any outstanding debts, like student loans. Could be car loans. Could be a mortgage. Could be any loans that you have. Could be uh, personal things that you've—maybe you, borrowed money from mom and dad. Say they gave you a loan to start a business. Whatever it might be. There's a lot of reasons why somebody would get insurance. The next is income replacement, right? And then how about burial? There's final expenses, I mean th- think of that for just a minute you're married you have kids and god forbid one of your kids passes not everybody really thinks of it because it's kind of morbid mm-hmm. say say you have a 13 year old 16 year old kid that's in a car accident god forbid they pass away all right now you got to bury them now you got to have a funeral funerals i mean you're you're gonna you're talking like 10 15,000 today depending on the size and how elaborate, I mean, if you're doing a basic thing. So not only did you lose a loved one, you lost a child, whatever it might be, a family member, but now you have to cough up some money to, you know, to pay for this. So it just makes it even worse. So those are some of the reasons why you would buy insurance. It's really protection. That's what you're looking for. So I've had some clients ask me if there's a way to protect. I know we try to do that with bonds, right? You don't own bonds because you want to you know, accumulate wealth, mm-hmm. right? You're not doing that. You're not buying bonds to get rich. Let's put it that way. And if they're not working, what else could you do? Could you buy insurance on your investment? What do you think? Um, I would go ahead and say, yeah, why not? So there, there is. I mean, there's a number of different ways you could do that. You know, it could be, could be trading some options, right? So you could do that with uh, by way of writing some call options there's strategies that we can use, different types of investments that actually have guarantees, right? You're going to pay for that guarantee. Do I think everybody needs or requires that? No, I really don't. You know, I think over time, if we look at any 20, 30-year period, most clients will be more than satisfied with the returns. However, with some of those folks that are 5, 10 years away from retirement, before they start drawing off of their retirement accounts, It's pretty important, right? Imagine you've saved up your nest egg. You've been working at Monarch Wealth Management for the last 30 years. And Sam says, now it's time to retire. You got a million bucks, right? Your investment is cut in half. Half a million dollars to draw from now in retirement. Probably not going to be too excited to to, uh, hang up the hat and say, all right, I'm going to sail off into the sunset with half of my investment. It's probably not going to sit too well with you. However, if you're able to weather the storm, right, you're not going to have a time commitment with your investment. You're going to save yourself some money on some of those things that you can use to protect your stuff. So I don't always encourage folks to insure their investments. There's tons of ways to do it. There's all kinds of products, right? It may have fees, may have some initial cost, may have a time commitment, it may provide liquidity issues. So there's a lot of reasons uh, why you may not need that. And so I, I tend to shy away from it. But it is something that we, we do have access to. I like to make clients aware of it, when and if they choose the, the need to employ some of those things. But, yeah, to make a long story short, very long story short, there is a way to ensure your investments. Could be protecting income. Could be protecting some or all of your principal. But it will come at a cost. Either by time, restriction to, or access to your principal, or an actual dollars and cents on your long-term returns.
1: I hope that answers that question. Yeah, I think it does. Okay. It what sense. else do we have? <laughs> Uh, we were talking about a specific case that you had uh, recently. Yes, uh, I believe it. It has to do with insurance protection. Um, this person had a company that they work for. It was bought out. Uh, they're trying to set up a new retirement plan. They wanted to know, you know, what he can do and what options he has. Is so, that different than what you just went over? It is. It is. So, so completely different. Completely different. Right, In this cool. case. Um, there
0: are some things that, that could be done, which ties into insurance, but we'll get to that yeah. in just a minute. So the real backdrop to this case is we have a client that has been working for a company. It was just recently sold. And so now the new company has a 401k and they're going to shut down the old 401k. It's going to go through what we call a blackout phase. And they're going to move your old 401k into this new one. So think about that for a minute. You're working for Monarch Wealth Management, 35 years down the road, the company sells. Say Fidelity buys us, right? What happens to your account, your 401k? Not sure, yeah, and and that's okay. A lot of people don't know. I have a client that's uh, quite savvy that, that actually asked that question. So what are my options? Do I have options? Could I roll over my 401k to you? So that actual event of the new company buying the old company, closing down the old 401k and having a new one in place, doesn't by, by itself allow him to roll over money. However, there's a, a bunch of language in your 401k plans that um, kind of dictates what you can and can't do. Some companies, it could be um, when you reach age 50, or 55 or 59 and a half, you have the right to then take that money out, roll it over into an IRA that you manage, or you work with an advisor that manages for you. So what's the advantage? You know, what's the benefit? So so that was the next question that he had for me is, okay, so if I've got my old 401k, and I want you to manage that money, what are benefits and drawbacks of making that decision? I mean, it seems logical, right? Like, what's better, 401k or IRA? Any ideas of what some of the things that you might be thinking about? Like, what, what would you want? What would you expect if you had a 401k and you came to work with me and our firm? What, what advantages do you think you'd have?
1: Uh, I guess, um, you know, you can put your money into specific things. Correct. Um, obviously, you guys, the advisors, know what you're doing, so you know where exactly to get in. How about somebody how to, to talk to? Money. to? Well, that's another big thing You're, too.
0: Your four hundred and one k. Like when you make decisions, who are you asking? Maybe a friend, mm. family member, colleague, coworker. Right. A lot of, lot of people ask their coworkers. Certainly not a professional. No. And and a lot of times, what happens is I was at the cafeteria, and I talked to Donna and Susie, and they moved all their stuff to cash, because they're gonna they're gonna you know bypass or sidestep a recession. And so I think I'm going to do the same thing. Or you might hear just the opposite. Yeah, they say that right now there's a lot of problems in Europe and, and overseas, in international markets. It's a good time to buy. I'm going to move all my money out of my U.S. stocks and just buy a bunch of international stuff. And you get that sometimes. So I'll meet with clients that tell me that they made a bunch of changes in their 401k. And I say, okay, great. Well, why'd you do that? Well, Johnny and Susie did it, so I thought it was good for me too. They're telling me how much money they're making. <laughs> so it's, it's having access to somebody, a professional that does this day in and day out A coach that will help guide you and understands the markets And that's really a lot of what we do, right? It's not that, again, we're picking some stocks that are quite elusive And, and able to sidestep the, the market or the recession or, or companies that you don't know or haven't heard of or private equity No, we have access to a lot of those things But it's not the bulk of what we do Not just that, you alluded to this. You mentioned choosing specific things to invest in, right? When you look at a 401k, what do you have available? It's a menu, right? Pre-select menu. Maybe 10, 15, maybe 20 choices. And more, more choices doesn't necessarily mean that it's a better investment option or vehicle. But when you're in an IRA, literally anything under the sun you could invest in. We have access to everything. Individual stocks, individual bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, other asset protection vehicles, things that will guarantee your income, things that could protect your principal. Individual bonds can do any of those things inside a 401k. Now, that doesn't mean that 401ks are bad. 401ks are fantastic. What does it let you do? While you're working, you're able to save for retirement. When you retire, Sam, who do you, what are the vehicles that you see yourself having access to to help you live,
1: pay your bills, travel? Well, yeah, I mean, right now, um, I would definitely just say whatever my retirement plans are. Retirement plans and maybe Social Security. Maybe Social Security, I I think so
0: but you don't have a pension. Yeah, definitely not. At least we don't right now. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe a monarch down the road, 5, 10 years, (laughs) we may set up a pension. I don't know. We don't have one, though. Mm -hmm. And the reality is most people working for an employer today don't have access to a pension. I feel like a pension is very rare these days. Very rare. And the pensions that we are seeing are pretty watered down. Mm -hmm. They may be a frozen pension where there's no increases. Um, Teachers, you know, you work for the state, things like that. There's there's some still – some pensions available Mm -hmm. to those folks, which I think are quite rich. Um, The drawback to some of those when I talk with teachers and meet with teachers that we plan for is that they don't make a ton of money right now along the way. But I'll tell you what. In retirement, when I see couples retire and you have one of them being a teacher, the benefits in retirement are fantastic. The health care benefits, the pensions – Um, And then they have other vehicles they could use to save like a 403B. So in the retirement realm, the answer to my client's question was, do I have the right to roll over my 401K? And if I could, are there benefits? The answer is maybe. I don't know. I have to take a look at the plan documents. And there may be some clauses in there that allow you to roll over your funds, have you work with a professional advisor uh, to consult with, and actually handpick those investment options. With that, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the show. you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible Plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Guelli. Welcome back to the show, everyone. In this part of the show, we like to talk about the latest and greatest market happenings. I don't know if it's greatest, but um, Sam, why don't you walk us into a piece that we're creating? So, so to, to set the backdrop. Clients, we like to let you know what's going on, how we're dealing with the market, and we keep you abreast of that through our blogs, through our podcast. And then every now and again, we have a client letter that goes out. And the client letters are typically drafted when we see a lot of volatility and we have a lot of questions from clients um, where they kinda wanna know what's happening. So I am in the process of drafting this letter. We're almost through compliance. And with that, I couple this piece with uh, a letter or excuse me, an infographic from First Trust. So why don't you lead us,
1: walk us into this piece and what it talks about? Right. So as you said, uh, from First Trust, they gave us this infographic and it's called Staying the Course. Um, And I believe that's appropriate. And basically what this infographic tells you is it gives you, uh, it goes back to 1980 and it shows every year. so basically what it says is it, it gives you, uh, you know, the, the least or the worst the market has done, what'd you say, through a certain period of time or just in throughout, general? Throughout that year. So, so it looks at each year mm.
0: and it looks at a time in the market where the S&P 500, the top 500 companies, kind of represents the, the market as a whole where it has done
1: the worst. The worst, right. So it could be in the month of February, it could be in the month of November. Yeah, so Who any knows? year it shows where it did the worst. And then in that same year, it also shows you where the, the S&P 500 ended the year. And look at all these years that ended positive. Um, you know, they had some pretty bad numbers throughout the year. Think about that, it goes back to 1980 The
0: title. Give me the title once again, because I think it's important. Yep. Stay in the course. Stay in the course. And stay in the course, as advisors, you might expect, if you're a client, existing client, if you're a prospect, of course the financial advisor is going to tell you to stay put, sit on your hands, do nothing. It's not always the case. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, don't open your statements, don't look at things. We are making changes. We have made changes. We continue to develop changes as the market evolves. But staying the course means, if you have a client, and we've had we've discussed this on other podcasts, and the question might be, Sam, should I be investing right now? There's a looming recession. We've got a war in Ukraine. There's a lot of problems going on. we got rising inflation. We still have uh, production issues with chips, and we can't get our hands on product right now, lumber issues, prices for just about everything going up, services, goods. Is this really a good time to be in the market? So then we look at this chart, and again, staying the course, is this piece produced by First Trust? And I think it's a really relevant piece uh, considering where we are today. Doesn't mean that we're going to end the year positive. I don't know. I hope we are. We've got a lot of ground to make up. Now, when was this? This is through the end of March. So it's, it has not captured where we sit today. And the market today, I think, is even down quite a bit. The, uh, so the Russell is down another three. S&P is down almost 4%. Dow Jones is down another three. And unfortunately, NASDAQ is down 4.5% as we set right now, it's Wednesday, May 15th. 18th. A- 18, when I say 15th. Yeah, 18th. close enough. But let's get back to that piece. So so why is that so important, staying the course? Let's look at 1980. So this is the furthest back that this goes. What's the max drawdown that year, Sam? In 1980? 1980. 17%. So think about that, 17%. And we rattled off some numbers on where the market is right now. And 17% is actually where the S&P is down as of your, your chart going back to yesterday or this morning. Does not include today's additional loss, but we're down about 17%. S&P 500, right? Mm. So
1: where did we end that year? That year, 1980, uh, ended 26% positive. Just think about that for just That's a minute. A big swing. Not only did it
0: recover the 17% loss, midway through the year at some point. I don't know which month. But it recovered that 17% and then continued to rally and make an additional 26%. It's a pretty violent swing in the market. Now, if we go back to 1980, every year doesn't start off negative and end positive, right? Let's look at the, the next year after 80. Let's look at 81. Max drawdown on that. S&P 500. Yeah, 81 was down 18%. Okay. So again, very similar to what we have right now. And where did that end? 81 actually ended minus 10%. Minus 10%. So again, it doesn't always work out that way. There's different things going on in the world. Uh, in 1980 and 1981, a little bit different landscape that we're in right now. You think of the administration, you think of what the Fed is doing with interest rates, and where we are in the inflation cycle, and the business cycle. I, you know, I I kind of wish that Jerome Powell in the Federal Reserve had just hiked rates, let's say one, one and a quarter, one and a half percent. What do you think that would do? I think it would have a pretty big impact because we 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 had fifty. You know, we we had 75 that was, there was some clamor about that. And Jerome Powell comes on and says, no, 75 basis points is off
1: the table. That would be almost 1%. Mm-hmm.
0: You think it would affect the market at all if, if you said you, rates that high?
1: You said you, like, if they had gone a full percent yeah. or higher? Yeah. I'd say it would affect it a lot. A lot. In center. a negative
0: way. Yeah. Not in a good way. And what that would do is if we know the first quarter GDP was negative, more than likely, we would have second quarter negative as well. Interest rates would have jumped up quite a bit mm-hmm. and possibly forced us into a temporary recession, right? That might last, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, 15 months, who knows? We would have got it out of the way. We can continue to reposition, reevaluate what we're investing in, maybe harvesting some losses, getting our clients set up in the right way from a tax perspective. In this letter that I'm writing to clients, not only do we look at staying the course and why I think it's important to remain invested, there's other things that we can do we'll talk about in just a minute. Let's go back to 2008. We know that's, I mean, most people in this generation that are investing right now, that that year comes back to them. And they think of 08 and what happened. So what's the max drawdown in that year? Yeah, down 49%. 49. And how we end up? Down 38. 38. So again, like 81, uh, we were down a pretty big number throughout the year, and we ended up a little bit better off of the lows, uh, but still a pretty substantial loss, 38%. And if we go back to 80, we can count the number of years we were down. So just about every year did have a negative part of the S&P 500 at some point, Right? Whether it be early on, midway through, or near the end. But how many years do we have losing years? We got 81. I think it was only like eight or nine. We got 90. We've got 94. We've got 2000, 2001, 2002. All right, we've got 08. 09 was good. We have 2015, 2018, and this year so far, we're negative. But like you said, eight or nine years. Going back to 1980 that we ended the market negative. Now, some of these years were not impressive. I mean, you have, uh, look at 84, you're only up 1%. 87 up 2%. uh, 92 up 4%. Okay. But the reality is over the next 20, 30 years, even some of these years where you have a 10 or 15 or 20% loss, it's not going to mean a whole lot to you. We tend to forget about those things. So in this letter, what else do I talk about? Well, I talk about some of the things that we are investing in and where we move money. It's consumer staples. Um, you think of wheat and grain and corn and livestock, some of the non-traditional things that you don't see on CNBC or, or CNN about how people are investing in moving money to. But what are some of the other ways that we can help our clients? and what are we doing? We mentioned tax loss harvesting. How about Roth conversions? Think about this for just a minute. Let's say you had a $100,000 IRA, this is Sam's account. We're opening your account. We got hundred thousand at the beginning of the year, right? And let's say the market draws down 50% like it did in '08. Your $100,000 account is now worth 50, right? Wouldn't it benefit you then to convert that 50000 pay taxes on that amount, knowing all well that in the next 10, 20 years, that account's going to double, triple, quadruple? You're only paying tax on half of that account value. This happened a few times. So it did happen in 2008 where we repositioned clients and said, let's square up on taxes now, got them in a better financial position to have those accounts grow. So that's another way to do it. So, you know, when the market's negative, it's typically for a short period of time. If we look at the 2000 bubble, happened for almost three years. You know, you got 2000, it was down 10%. 2001, it was down 13. 2002, it was down 23. Despite all that, if you remain calm, you remain invested, you talk to a professional, your accounts grew in value. You did the right things. And that's what it takes sometimes, right? talking with somebody who's seen these markets before, who understands what might happen. And so this to me is proof that you shouldn't be getting in and out of the market, but making small changes to your Mm -hmm. investments, kind of massaging through this tough time, talking to a person to make sure that you're feeling good about what you've done. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I thank the folks over at First Trust for this uh, staying the course piece. For our existing clients, be sure to be on the watch for a client letter that will be coming out shortly as soon as we have this final approval from compliance. Appreciate everyone's time. Thanks again for listening. Constantine here with Pennywise Financial Podcast at Monarch Wealth Management and my co-host, Sam Guali. Thanks for
1: listening, everyone. See you next time. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial signing off.